0: Today's episode of Atlanta Zone is brought to you by your fantasy team. Do you want to hear about my fantasy team? <laughs> because I do not want to hear about yours. But I'll tell you about mine anyway. What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Welcome to the 99th episode of Atlanta Zone. Thank you, Graham, and I'm going to start this 99th episode by immediately picking a bone with you. Oh, controversy off the bat. You remember our argument in episode 98 about Matt Bryan? Matt Bryant Matt Bryant I don't remember <laughs> anything about Matt Bryant Who the buddy, hell is Matt My Bryan? buddy Matt Bryant Yeah No, Matt Bryant Yes uh, Where we're discussing his injury history Okay And well, I got two bones to pick with you actually Why don't you get one out before you uh, You know, keep extrapolating <laughs> Okay, so you preamble you, you had said He was hurt last year, right? Yes Missed three games, I believe but you refused to concede that he was injured the year before that. played all 16 games. He did, but he had a calf injury, and we signed Mike Meyer from the practice to our practice squad in 2017 with the possibility that he was going to have to kick against the Cowboys. But Matt Bryant soldiered, soldiered through. Yeah. But the point is, that's injury history, Graham, okay. So it existed. I'm not crazy. This but research you, but would have been better served me last week. Yes, in, in episode 97, though, you're like, "Oh, no, he missed like two three games in 2017." I mean, yeah, 2017. No, I, I, I just listened to the episode. I know, and the recent one, you didn't say that, but the one before that, you were talking about how he was he missed three games last year, and he missed more games the year before that. Well, so. he you could have missed. Yes, if his calf had been more injured, right? But he played through it. And he's, he's a beast. And obviously his injury history wasn't enough to deter the Falcons from doing the right thing and re-signing his ass. Should we go ahead and jump into that? Yes, let's jump while, into while that. While we're on it. Right. T- yes, they they did re-sign him. What's your other bone to pick on me, actually, first? Oh, you have just, like, some weird way of phrasing years. Like, you wanted to call the 2018 season this year, and you were calling last year the 2017 season? Yes. Which is just, it's not the 2018 season. That's Last, last year was the 2018 season. Right, but... The year before that was the 2017 season. Yes, but your, your phrasing was calling the 2018 season this year. He was hurt this year. He was not hurt last year. He was hurt during the 2018 season. This is similar to you, you, you think that there's 11 months in the year. I don't year. think there's 11 months, but you... <laughs> my God. The last season was the 2018-2019 NFL football season. He I was agree. hurt. In 2018. So why? how am I wrong about that? You were calling that this season. I was calling that this season? Yes. Oh, okay, sorry. Last season, (laughs) he was hurt. Okay. All right. Just a little little, uh, time training for me. Right. Time lesson. Um, But I did get that off my chest because I was listening to it today and it was frustrating me and i'd imagine it frustrates our users as okay. well okay well i apologize for not being able to uh have a mental capacity to know what year it is or when things happen in a particular year apologies to everyone Who You may have been offended by that thank you uh, i really just want to say i've learned a lot it was a humbling experience i'll take my uh two week suspension and kindly fuck off i mean just yeah let us know if we need to put you on the IL, algorithm yeah i will Yes, so Matt Bryant is re-signed to the Falcons on a one-year deal, I think for a little over a million dollars. Three and million, bro. Three million. It's three million for one year. How funny is that considering that uh, we, did, we cut him, I think, to save three million? His option was less than what we ended up paying him, so... The Falcons royally flubbed this one up. Yeah, I loved how uh, there was a uh, video that came out. I think the Falcons posted on various social media sites about like interviewing Thomas Dimitrov about what was the process and all this stuff. And he, I'm paraphrasing here, and I may be totally inaccurate, but I'll just go off what I remember. Sure. Yeah. So we always do. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. So he was talk- he was talking, and he was like, you know, yeah, we really wanted someone to come in here in the kicking game who could be with us for years to come. You know, ageism. Which is very unfair to the greatest kicker of all time, and Matt <laughs> <He> Bryant. <just laughs> I mean, greatest Falcons kicker of all time, excuse me. Who, by the way, I will also <clears> mention, <throat> is the eighth most accurate kicker in NFL history. So we're dealing with a probable Hall of Famer here. Um, and then he starts going on about, like, oh yeah, and then once the preseason started, we were like, yeah, we're going to try and bring him back, but it's just a matter of when. It was just the worst effort at saving face i've ever seen from anyone like it was it was it was sad i'm glad he made eventually the right decision but he could have easily just said look like i said we wanted to get younger at the position we we effed up we brought back uh a guy that we had a lot of experience with who we still have faith in because the guys that we brought in honestly were terrible yeah and that's you know if he'd said that without being maybe as mean I would have accepted that a little more. I I, I still have a little umbrage with with Thomas because of that that response. It was just very backhanded. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be fair, ageism is somewhat applicable in a sports setting where. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Graham, but players tend to, um, you know, you, you you'll start off as like a child, sure, and you get better as you get older. Really? Yes. <laughs> Uh, you know, as you develop more skills. I always skills. wonder why we don't see a more eight-year-old kickers out there. Right. Yeah, they, they, they have to get older first, Graham. Yeah. No. Uh, which is not ageism. Sure. Well, it could be, I suppose. But, <laughs> so, but then you hit a certain point. You know, like your twenties—that's generally your prime. Prime years as an athlete. Okay. Right? Um, but then you slowly start getting a little worse. Mm. So that's where Matt Bryan's at. But we haven't seen it yet. So, but you understand. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I get it. I get the trepidation there. But I also still, as I've said many times before, it's like despite him being hurt, still only missed one field goal last year and has been one of the best kickers in the history of the National Football League. So I give him the benefit of the doubt. And um, yeah. Anyway. but Yeah, to not just admit we fucked up. Right. Um, yeah, I would have I would preferred that. It, it was like no one's going to buy this. It's like, if anyone bought that out there, they're they're gullible or they've been living under a rock for the last 10 years we've had Matt Bryant on this team. Right. Made some of the biggest kicks in the history of the franchise. So, yeah, for me it's just great because I feel like this team is, we're close to being something special, in my opinion. Um, Yeah, I think the pieces are there. I, I don't want something as stupid as a Giorgio Tavecchio, who was my boy. Yeah, he was your boy. Um, uh, I didn't realize he was a head case. Cream. I thought he was mentally stronger than he is. Oh, he looked great last year. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we don't we don't want a Giorgio Tavecchio messing us up. So if we if Matt Bryant still got it, let's ride. Yes. So good on the Falcons for at least not being stubborn enough to sign a random veteran kicker, and uh, you know they kind of had to put their tail between their legs and. To Approach Matt Bryan in the first place, so right give him credit for at least doing that. Yeah, at least they weren't you know so, um, you know, obstinate and just sort of being like, you know what, screw it, we're just gonna go with Tavecchio, even though he hasn't proven us proven to us anything so far in the preseason. Yeah, even though um, that was their plan, even though that was their plan, they were willing to adjust, which is nice to see for an organization that usually doesn't adjust in game or out of game. I mean, they, they do make adjustments, I guess. Outside the game, in terms of signing new guys and stuff like that, but historically, you know, we've, it seems like there's always been a lot of misfires with doing that. There's been some some shots that have certainly landed as well, but you know, I feel like I remember more of the folks that didn't work out than the folks that did when it comes to the when it comes to the Falcons. Well, that's just human uh, human tendency, there, Graham. True. You remember you're, you're going to remember the negative, yeah. Situations the negative stuff stands out a little bit more. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think you know, jumping into Looking at where the Falcons are right now, they're flying a little under the radar. Everybody kind of has them winning eight, Ooh, cool. nine games at best, seemingly. Before you get into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this our official Falcons uh, preview episode? Yes. That we're doing out of order, I like it. Yeah, we're doing it's out of order. Yeah, it's natural. We yeah. discussed before the show. It's like, yeah, I want to talk about the price first, and then that clearly didn't happen. I'm feeling Falcons right now. Anyways, yeah. this is good. Yeah, it's about to, the season's about to start. We wrapped up the preseason. We got back our kicker. Um, just did. We both did our fantasy drafts last night. Right. So you know, football's on the brum, on, on the brum <laughs> on the brum. Football's definitely on the brum. Yep. And uh, yeah, so a lot of pundits have put the Falcons at eight or nine wins. Um. You know, sort of middling, not really uh, perceiving them as true contenders in some respects. But, And I don't want to overshoot expectations here, and I do have a history of having pretty awful predictions. Uh, (laughs) That being said. That being said, I think this team is a dark horse to compete for a championship. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) That's not saying that's going to happen. I just think... Look, the, the things that were bad last year. Like an, an NFC South championship? No, like a legitimate, I think we have a chance. Like a, a more, like a realistic chance of, of winning a, a championship. Div- NFC championship. Yes, and, and, and the one after that as well. Pro Bowl? I think we have a chance to have a lot of Pro <laughs> Bowlers as well. <laughs> Uh, no, the one, the, the one actually. I don't know if the Pro Bowl is after or before the Super Bowl anymore. I just don't care about it. It's before the Super Bowl. Okay, yeah, the one after that one, then. Okay, yeah, the Senior Bowl. Yes, I think they agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't speak it out loud, or else uh, various users who I know are superstitious will get upset with me. But I, I don't know the I, Bourbon Bowl. The Bourbon Bowl. Yeah, where the 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 bowl that was won by the SC LSU Mud Dogs <laughs> yes. uh, in nineteen ninety nine. Okay, um, that'd be huge. Yeah, no. If you win the Bourbon Bowl and beat uh, University of Louisiana, you know we're, we're we're you know that's about as good as you can get for this franchise. Yeah. But I really, I honestly think, I mean, I look at the holes from last year. I look where things went wrong. Um, things went wrong, obviously with the injuries, losing Ricardo Allen, Keanu Neal, Deion Jones, Devontae Freeman. Um, you know, these are things that are very difficult to overcome um we also got mired in some offensive bs and you know guys that we wanted to step up on the defense after those key folks i just mentioned went down weren't able to do that and we sort of just struggled and scuffled and we couldn't get our stuff together resulting in a really mediocre season and the entire coaching staff sans dan quinn getting fired but i feel like we have the right pieces in place we got all those guys back and they're they're healthy and they're ready to to start week one we know when they were all together in the um that season, uh, the the season after the the Super Bowl loss, when we, we uh, lost to Philly in the playoffs, you know, it still wasn't the greatest defense in the world, but it was it was good at holding teams from scoring a lot of points, and we had a lot of offensive problems that year. But going back to this year, it's like having all those guys back. I think we can be a formidable defense. The return of Adrian Claiborne, um, you know, using him up the middle has looked really good this season. Um, so I think our defense is going to be vastly improved. Duke Riley has looked really good. Um, well, then also just having guys that got to play so much last year as depth pieces now, Yeah, a la uh, Sanat, uh, right. foyer Lucan, mm-hmm. KZ. Yeah, KZ. So we we have a lot more depth this year. Right, and, you know, we've, we've cut um, Robert Alford. Thank God. And, yeah, uh, you know, I hope he does well in Arizona, but he's gone uh, Desmond Trufant, even though I know he had a rough season last year, Looks very hungry. He was making plays in the preseason that I wish he would have made last year. But like I and I know it's preseason, but you could I could see there's a, there's a fire in him that is back, and hopefully he can return to being one of the better cornerbacks in the league. I'm still concerned about um, the other cornerbacks after him. You know, I, I like KZ a lot, but Isaiah Oliver now slotting into the the second cornerback spot, which I think is where he'll be. How is that going to work? Um, not sure. I mean, he's he's certainly a question mark, but he's also a guy who, I mean, he fits that Dan Quinn mold as being. Um, I think he's over six feet, mm-hmm. about two fifteen, and he did get some experience last year as well. And I mean, they obviously trusted enough in him to let go of the veteran, albeit shitty, Alford. Right. Um. So I mean, he, he's a guy. Who, he he could be. Yeah. He, Might not get the job done, but it could be great as well. So right, he'll he'll certainly be something to watch this year. Yeah, and then you know I look at where we're where we are um, offensively. You know we have Matt Ryan coming off a great season, where he damn near threw for five thousand yards, thirty-five touchdowns, only seven picks, um, had a full mastery of the offense, and this was with getting hit over forty times, or excuse me, not even hit over forty times. He's hit probably like a hundred. 100 of, well over a 100 times probably uh he was sacked like 43 times or something like that I and mean, he took hit after hit after hit and kept doing his thing and that was also a huge weakness we had last year was you know the offensive line was trash it was it was bad outside of Matthews and and, and Alex Mack now it's been solidified you get uh a Chris Lindstrom in there you have Carpenter and Brown to help out at guard even though I know only one of them is going to start um the the one question, and then you have all those weapons around them. You have Devontae Freeman coming back who hopefully will, will be healthy. But even if he's not, we have such depth at running back that I think we'll be okay there. Ito Smith, Brian Hill, and Quadri? Is it Quadri or Quadri? Allison. I think it's Quadri Allison. Quadri Allison, yeah. So you feel good about that. You have, I would say, arguably the best receiving core in football in Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Muhammad Sanu. Um, you have a great, maybe not great, but a very good tight end in Austin Hooper. The one question for me uh, is one, is Lind- Will Lindstrom, well, two questions. Is Lindstrom uh, up to the challenge? Can he, you know, live up to that first-round pick? And what the hell happens at right tackle? Because you've got that Matt Cano guy there, the guy from, uh, I don't know, Division Three, and you potentially have Caleb McGarry, the other guy we drafted uh, in the first round this year, who we traded up for, who just had his heart procedure, as we mentioned uh you missed a lot of key development time, but looked pretty good in his limited in his 40 snaps I last he looked weekend. damn good last yeah, week. Last like, week against I got excited seeing him play. Yeah, it was against their scrubs, but I think this is a very important game for him to show what he can do because he's never been he's never stepped foot on the NFL field before. And even though it was against a bunch of guys who are trying to make the team, but he was just so many like yeah, just heads and tails above those guys. Yeah, which as, says as a sh- lot as he should have. And, and that's impressive considering he hasn't even played it all yet. <laughs> right. So. That's those are the questions I have. Is like what offensively, where's the offensive line at? Yeah, and I mean they still haven't even named either Gano or um, Caleb McGarry the starter yet. Mm -hmm. So I mean that literally is our last question mark. But I feel a lot better with those guys than Sambrelo. Yeah, you know, like these are these guys are um, unknowns versus us knowing about a yeah umbrella. i know about some I, I still don't understand why he's here but whatever hopefully he doesn't see the damn field this year and this is not a thing where it's like the defensive line where you're rotating guys in and out like off his line you want all five guys playing every snap if you can't um so that's that's really important and i think that you know he'll get a big whoever plays right tackle next week's gonna get a, a huge test because the vikings have a very formidable pass rush not just for their front four but they blitz from everywhere. They blitz linebackers, corners. Um, you know They're a relentless defense. Even though they underperformed last year, they still had a pretty solid defense under Mike Zimmer. So I, I think it, it really comes down to the trenches once again, which is such a stereotypical thing to say. But I know what I'm getting out of Matt Ryan. I'm getting a great quarterback. Screw the haters. I'm getting a, a top, top-tier quarterback, in my opinion. I'm, I know what I'm getting out of the receiving core. I know what I'm getting from, the, the, um, from my safeties and my linebackers, for the most part. The question is, is can we get a pass rush going, and can we protect Matt? You know, Matt Ryan's one of the best quarterbacks in the league when, he, when he's under duress, but it doesn't matter when he's getting sacked over well over 40 times or whatever it was last year. So it's, it's, it really comes down to that. And it seems like that's what we always come back to as the trenches. but I swear to God, I can't really see a lot of weaknesses. Maybe I can see a little bit on the secondary but everywhere else, I feel really, really good about what this team is. Yeah, and I mean, I, I also just – the new the coaching changes I'm excited about with mm-hmm. Coach Dan Quinn back as the um, defensive coordinator, which, as we've discussed multiple times, that's when we saw this defense at its best when he took over. Or Super Bowl season. It was like a fire was lit under the... I can't remember when that happened. It was like week 9 or 10 or something. And once that happened, I was like, what the hell happened? Say say what you want about the man. He is a motivator. He's a very good coordinator. And and he is going to light a fire under these guys' asses. Yeah. And he's got so much invested in Vic Beasley now that you know he's going to be getting after him every game. Yeah. And I'm I'm still not expecting much out of Vic. No. I'm expecting a huge season at attack. I hope so. Like I'm talking double-digit sacks. That'd be nice. Um, I think Claiborne's gonna be up there as well, six, yeah. seven stat sacks somewhere in there. Yeah, you know, you know what you're getting out of Claiborne. Hopefully, it's in that range. You know what you're getting out of Grady. You're getting one, you know, a top three defensive tackle in football. If those two guys on the outside, Vic and Tack, can play anywhere close to where their ability is, this could be a this could be one of the best defensive lines we've had since the Mike Vick era. <laughs> When that wasn't even that great of an off defensive line, but you know Patrick Kearney, Ed Coleman, uh Rod Coleman. Sorry, Rod Coleman, Ed Jasper. Ed Jasper. Sorry. Ed Jasper and uh Brady, Brady Smith. Smith. Yes. That was a pretty good defensive line. How the hell do we know that? Probably from Madden. Yes. But even still, it's just like, you know, we got uh we got a chance here to have a really good D line. And if we saw in the Washington preseason game how well they were getting after the quarterback. All all of those just guys were doing a great job. Rushes. Yeah, you know, I like the other guys we have on the defensive line, too. You know, Jack Crawford, he's looked pretty good in the preseason. Coming off, coming off an injury, I like to see him make an impact. Um, Alan Bailey from Kansas City, I like to see what he's got. John Kaminsky, the, the late-round pick that everybody seems to be really hyped about. I mean, these, these are uh, Tyler Davison, the guy we got from the, the, uh, the Saints, who's uh, supposedly a very solid uh, defensive tackle. Um, you know, this, this, this line on both sides of the ball has been fortified. Yeah, you he know, also got Sonata in there. You um, know, I mean, on the offensive line, I feel like we have a lot of depth there. I mean, I still don't like Tyson Brado, but other than that, it's like we got enough guys. Hopefully, that if someone goes down, it's not going to be so, so devastating. Where we're plugging in guys <coughs> that have uh, that probably shouldn't be seeing the field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the jury might be out on Kaminsky until he gets more more snaps. But overall, when I look at uh, up and down the roster, I see that I you know a lot of people were saying that. uh you know, We had one of the best rosters in the NFL last year, and that proved not to be true once we lost all, a lot of our key players. Now, I'm not saying that that's necessarily true, but I feel a lot better when I look at the depth of this year when compared to last year. And there's just no way in hell we can have such a catastrophically bad season when it comes to injuries again. That is just ridiculous. was unprecedented. What if we're just cursed now? I mean, it's highly probable considering all Atlanta sports well, minus Atlanta United are cursed. Here's a theory. What if... Atlanta United put a curse on the Falcons Falcons are already cursed at Adam but a bigger curse like an injury curse yeah if something like last year happens this year I will believe you you're buying that theory I'll buy that theory okay yeah I mean they, they play on the same field they're in the same locker rooms yeah some shit could go Patriots the Patriots just won the Super Bowl there Yep. That puts some bad juju. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you believe in curses or not. I don't really believe any of that shit. But that that makes me. Feel oh, I, I kind of I completely forgot about that. Yeah, that think, makes me feel pretty. I think awful. I kind of just blacked out most of last year from my from my. It bro. was bad, especially after like early uh, November. It was like once once we played the Browns, it was just like okay, we're screwed. Of all teams, the Browns, but. Um, you know, look at the schedule here. Let's talk about the schedule, unless you have anything else you want to add about the, the roster and just other general thoughts. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about one player to keep an eye on that I recently just learned about. Okay. A guy who made the roster that came out of nowhere is a, um, a tight end from Yale named Jaden Graham. Mm. And the only reason this guy was even on our radar was from our linebacker from Yale, Foyer Lucan. He told the coaches, you guys need to check this guy out. And this was during Foyer's rookie year. So we actually had this Jaden Graham guy on our practice squad last year. Okay. Um, but this year he comes in uh, as a big long shot because uh, we we had Bear, who was a 2017 fifth-round pick, fourth or fifth-round pick yep. for us. Mm-hmm. And then uh, your boy. His name is Logan Paulson. Yes, who were pretty entrenched for the um, – well, third. In, well, second and third, right? Tight end. We also had that stalker character. Stalker, yeah, yeah. Who's a veteran that we just signed and right. we paid him like one point five million dollars. Right. So yeah, he's going to be there. But uh, yeah, this Jaden Graham guy just he just came in and worked. Had a, like a couple really solid games. Uh, Fifty-five yards. One game had a thirty-five yard receiving, and he even stepped in and played fullback. And um, you know, he just kind of what I was saying earlier is just like he's a more of an unknown with potential versus we know what Saw Bear is at this point. Right. Saw Bear didn't make the stride. Sawbear's a bust. I'm yeah. sure he'll go to New England and be an all pro, but you know, no, he, he got he got cut. Oh he got cut from New England. Yeah. Okay. It makes him feel better then. Yeah. So right. yeah, Bill Belichick couldn't turn him into anything either. If if Bill Belichick can't turn you into something, then then maybe you don't got it. Yeah. So I mean, granted I don't know a ton about this guy, but watched a couple of his videos and uh just seeing him in preseason a little bit, he's He's going to be a factor at some point. Okay, like he, he's a great blocking tight end as well. So we're we're going to see him this year. But just pretty cool story for some guy to just be such a long shot and grind it out and make the roster and beat out a couple veterans that you assumed were going to be there. So right, keep an eye on him. Let's play a little prediction before we jump into the schedule because this kind of made me think. Like you know, when you're talking about uh, Jaden Graham, thinking about you know surprises, who you think will disappoint, etc. So. I'll throw some some questions out to you here. Who is uh, who do you think will disappoint you? Devontae. Mmm. Okay, explain. I mean, comes back to injuries. Graham, the guy's never been able to stay healthy. It's I, not not true. Earlier in his career, he stayed pretty healthy. Well, last couple seasons. Last couple seasons, sure. And you, you know how running backs how quickly they go downhill. No. Nope. And, I mean, he's just one of those guys. I don't, I'm don't. i hoping against hope that he has seen the air in his ways with the way that he runs and is going to try to avoid a little contact, but I just don't see it happening. Okay. So I think it – I predict we end up with the the same thing we've seen the last couple of years, and uh, we might see a lot of Ito Smith this year. Interesting. And that's why you, uh, you basically took him uh, before I could in last night's fantasy draft. Took Ito. Yes, yes. 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 Yeah, that was that was my uh, Falcons intuition kicking in. Sure. Um, <clears throat> most improved. Hmm. The easy answer is Duke Riley, but I, I still don't believe in Duke Riley. I think who we were talking about earlier. I think I, Isaiah Oliver. Okay. I think I think he's going to step up big time. Um. I have no, uh, you know, no analysis, no analysis, no basis, but yeah. uh, that, that I think that's the guy, Graham. Okay, I would say um, I I don't want to agree with you on Devontae, but I'm just thinking about it in my head, and he just seems he looks like he's moving fine in the preseason. Mm-hmm. My question will be: Is he has he made the adjustments necessary in his game to sustain uh, a more lengthy career in the NFL? than he has shown in the past. His obstinance has, has made him become um, you know, an injury case. And so I, until I see any different, I'm kind of on the same page as you are. Um, I could take the easy route and say Vic Beasley, but he's disappointed me so much at this point that he can't disappoint me anymore, right. honestly. Um, I could look at Tack and say all this hype about him losing weight and getting his head right and all this stuff. But I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think the motor's going to be really humming this year for Tack, and especially with Claiborne around. I, I like that sort of, I, you know, when Claiborne was, I believe when Claiborne was there um, during Tack's rookie season, I think he mentioned that he was a big influence on him, so I expect that to you know, pick up again if it hasn't already. Um, so, yeah, I got to agree with you on um, on Navante because on being – Potentially, be most disappointing just because of not because of his effort or his heart or anything like that but it's just the injury history seems too strong for it not to repeat and don't get me wrong i, I sure as hell hope we're wrong about that i do too i really do i, mean, I, I, I love i love me some Devonte freeman but need to see him on the field for 16 games yeah exactly um In terms of my most improved, I think I will go Duke Riley. That's the the one that that I'm looking forward to the most just because with Oliver, I haven't seen that much in the preseason. Granted, I haven't watched all the games really that in depth, but I haven't read or seen as much about him in the preseason making any plays that really stand out. But I've seen Duke Riley move to the ball carrier in such an improved way and make the sure tackle. He's not missing tackles. He's not ever pursuing. And I think that's going to lead to him having a big year. Um, I don't know if he's gonna necessarily uh be your third linebacker. But I think um if someone goes down and he has to step in, I'm gonna feel a hell of a lot better about it this year than I did last year. Yeah, we got we got some decent depth there now. Yeah. If he's halfway decent. We got uh, Jermaine Grace was a guy that made yeah. The roster. He looked really good in preseason. Mm-hmm. I think he led the team um the team of tackles, yeah. overall for the preseason, yeah, he looked good. And then um, your stalwarts of Deion Jones, Devondre Campbell, Foye Luquin, who got all that time last year. So we're we're, we're looking. I mean, second. I mean, safeties and linebackers, man. Like, yeah, you, like you were saying earlier. Yeah, and right now Duke Riley is the third string, uh, one third string linebackers. But I still. Think we're going to see? He's going to have to step up at some point this year, and I think he's going to do it. I, I see something in him that I haven't seen before, so I'm really looking forward to watching him, uh, watching him work, as Dan Quinn would say. Graham, I got a question for you. Okay. So, do you see, with uh, Dirt Cutter returning as offensive coordinator this year, mm-hmm. do you see us actually trying to be more balanced, with running the ball a lot more? or are we quickly going to revert to our old ways of just sling it when every time we get in trouble? I think that's really predicated on the offensive line. If the offensive line is truly improved, if the depth we've added, the pieces we've added are legitimately there, then I would say, yes, we will, we will find balance within the force. But if, you know, Chris Lindstrom, isn't really the, the guy and maybe Caleb McGarry still needs time in his development. And then, um, for some reason, Ty Sambreo is your starting center. God forbid <laughs> we're going to be in trouble. And, yeah, we're going to have to sling the ball over the field. But I think if the line does hold up, I feel like we will have uh, more more balance within the play coin. But at the same time, uh, it's, it's tough because I know Cutter is very much like a, a pass-happy guy. And the NFL in general is a pass-happy league. So it's tough to say, but I think we will have more balance this year because I'm going to Go out on a limb and say that the offensive line will be will show uh, a lot of improvement. I'm really I'm really optimistic about them. Um, maybe I have no no reason to be, but I I feel like with all the money we spent on these guys that uh, in the draft picks, you know, first round this year, Thomas did something I never thought he'd ever do. Pick two guys in the first round on the offensive line. It's unprecedented. I have to believe that, and so based off of my belief, you know my. Trying to validate what Thomas does, which normally I, I i don't do uh i I will say that we will have more balance this year so yes 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 okay, yes. okay, yes. okay cool, yes. Cool. right no, yeah, I'm just happy we have these veteran coaches in to help with Dan Quinn, and we don't have to have these stupid Sarkeesian conversations anymore, and yeah, it was just I think it was it was um. It was a terrible decision that kind of wasted two years of our lives. Right. And to Stark's credit, the team was, I would say, offensively improved last year. Still scored a lot of, you know, decent amount of points. Um, wasn't where you wanted to be in terms of balance or flow. But it was it was better than the prior year. But I, I think bringing in someone who has had a steady hand, who knows Matt Ryan, knows Julio. Not that you really need to know Julio for him to do well. But, you know, just someone has familiarity with this organization and with, a lot of the personnel, um, I think, will will be really good overall for the team. And it actually has, you know, experience working in the National Football League for a contender, unlike Sark, who was thrown to the wolves. Did you see um, Sark's first game for Alabama, what stadium he was playing in? Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yep. That must have been eerie for him. That must have been weird. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <"Jesus laughs> first never day back, back on the job, again. can't get away. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, let's take a look at the schedule here, Adam. We have a very tough I love looking week. at the schedule. I know, you're a big schedule guy. We have a very tough uh, first three weeks. I'd say first two weeks, but I'm, I'm not going to discount the Colts. We open up at Minnesota this weekend, and then we turn around in Sunday Night Football against Philly here. That will be a, a huge game. And then week three, we go back on the road and face the Colts. Week four is against the Titans, so let's break down this uh, at home. So let's let's break down this first quarter of the season in terms of what we where we think we'll be at, or just what do you see? What are you thinking? I'm glad we start on the road. I could just see Mercedes-Benz Stadium being a horribly weak place to play. First game, you're supposed to be fired up. Yeah, half the fans are just walking around milling and filling up their Coke refills and buying right. their $2 the hot dogs. Yeah. No one gives a shit. Right. Uh, so I'm glad we started the road. Sure. That's going to be a tough place to play in Minnesota. They're going to be fired up. This is a playoff team. Uh, Very defensive-minded team. Yeah. be a so good test for Cutter on the offensive line. Yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to play there. I think we can get a win there. Mm. And I'd rather get. I'd rather lose on the road week one than lose at home for week one. I'll say that yeah, much. Yeah, that's fair. Um. I think this is a game, I think this is a stretch that's going to be tough. I could see us, you know, going anywhere between 1-3 and or 3-1. and I mean, I know that's kind of ridiculous, but it's it's just, it's tough to open, you know, Minnesota, Philly, two very good teams. And then the Colts, with the surprise announcement of Andrew Luck, don't seem that bad, but they're a very good uh, defensive team. At least they were last year. And Jacoby Brissett, you know, is, is a decent enough quarterback. They've got a monster offensive line. Yeah, a very too. good offensive line. And then Tennessee seems very winnable. That's the only game through this first four weeks where I'm like, well, we should definitely win that. The other ones I'm like, we can win. So that's, that's, a, fir- that's a tough first quarter of the year. Uh, we go on here. Then we play the Texans. The Cardinals, the Rams, and the Seahawks. Jesus. That's another really <laughs> that's another really tough uh, schedule. You're talking about th- uh, three teams last year that made <clears throat> I think the Seattle yeah three teams last year that made the playoffs, and one team that is bad, pretty awful. And the and the Cardinals, but um, you got to face Deshaun Watson, you got to face Jared Goff and that uh, vaunted defense and, and offense of the Rams. Then you got to you know. Luckily, we're playing Seattle at home, so we don't have to, to hear that damn 12th man up there. But this is a really tough first eight weeks. Yeah, it's very unfair. Yeah. It's my first time looking at this schedule. It's pretty, uh, yeah, same here. It's just pretty, this is pretty brutal. I wish we had the Cardinals before the Texans. The Texans. Yeah. Just so you can get a look at um, what's-his-face, the number one pick. Oh, Kyler Murray. Who's similar to Sean Watson. Right. But not so much. Yeah, it'd be nice to have like sort of a stage rehearsal before you get to the the real thing. Yeah, that's a brutal schedule. The um, two games on the, the road, two games at home. And notice we're at week eight and still no divisional games. Still no division games. Well, that'll change, I think, when uh, we move on. Week nine is a uh, bye, which I think <laughs> we're uh, gonna be licking our wounds. Yeah, at, like, it's two, like <laughs> two and five. God bless. <laughs> two and six. I think it's really important in that first eight weeks that we just. <laughs> You know, at a minimum, are four and four. If we're at four and four, there, we're in a decent spot because after that, it's all it's pretty much divisional games. If we're two and six entering the bye, should we quit podcasting? We can uh, talk about it. Okay, who wants to listen to that garbage? Will playoffs still be going on then? Baseball playoffs? Oh, no, no, we're way past that. Baseball? Well, no, no, later. Well, well, it might be. Whoa. baseball playoffs might still okay. be happening. We'll keep the podcast going. We'll then. keep the podcast going through. Uh, through the baseball playoffs okay. at the very least. Yeah. All right. Regardless of what the bridge, the oh, Hawks will be playing again. That's true. We got it. No, podcast will continue. Podcast yeah. is a year-round thing. Yeah. It's, a, it's a lifelong commitment out of it. Okay. You can't get out of it. All right, so we move on to week 10. God, I just can't handle another season like last I year. I know. I can't. You know, this was, was awful. Do you find yourself getting more negative as we actually look at the schedule? Yes, I do. <laughs> we <laughs> have that, yeah, we're realizing that there's other teams out there that we have to actually play. That are actually good. Yeah. Uh, so week 10, we're at the Saints, which we always know is a big game. After that, we have to go on the road against the Panthers, home Tampa Bay, home Saints on uh, Thanksgiving. This is, this is so stupid. And then at, and then home against Carolina. So it's like Carolina, Tampa, Saints, Panthers. That's week uh, 10 through 14. The division will be decided during that stretch, during that five-game stretch there. The division will be decided during the stretch, this week ten through week fourteen stretch. This the Saints Panthers Bucks Saints Panthers stretch here, because if you can, you know, if you're at four and four at that point, and you can go, you know, somehow you can go four and one. You might be controlling your destiny at that point because you know you're eight and five overall, and then you get a gimme, hopefully a gimme game against San Francisco. Tough game against Don't the Jaguars. Hold your breath there. I know they. Yeah, I know they. They may be back. Year two of Shanahan, we know. We know what happens. You tier, year two of Shanahan. That's very true. And they but, actually but, have Garoppolo. They have Garoppolo who back, who may or may not be good. No one knows. Yeah, no one really knows. So yeah, I don't know. That is tough. you got you know, San Francisco, Jacksonville, and then Tampa Bay. But I think really the season is going to come down to unless we're two and six, as you said, by that point, it's going to come down to that stretch between week t- uh, week ten through week uh, fourteen. Brutal. Absolutely Saints on Thanksgiving again. Yeah, I hope this isn't a tradition. I mean, I, I like it. I like playing on Thanksgiving, but I uh, also at least this one's at home. It's nerve wracking. Thanksgiving should be where I'm relaxing, and uh, it's also the night game again. So it's not like one of those things where if we're getting our butts kicked, you can just be like, "Oh, I'm distracted by family bullshit." You know, you have to watch this game at that point. Everybody's gone to sleep or just relaxing. It's like, well, what else are you going to do? Yeah. You have no more obligations. You have to watch it all the way through, even if we're terrible. It's just what you got to do. So, yeah, as we mentioned, last three weeks: Forty ers Jaguars, Bucks. If this team is as good as we're saying it is, they can bear the brunt of the schedule. And I think have a you know ten and six. Although we don't know if we're saying they're good anymore, Graham. Right, that's they're true. Sure Looking at the schedule. schedule, you know, if we think they're as good as they are, they can handle the brunt of the schedule. But this is this is a for uh, you know, and and we did this to ourselves. Honestly. Not the stretch where we play all the NFC South teams. That's just the NFL being a bunch of pricks. But we do this to ourselves in the sense of when those last... Or like, what, three or four in a row? Yeah, three or four in a row. Make a 7-9 and nine and put us second in the division. We have to play other teams that finish second. So we have to play guys like Minnesota. We have to play guys like the Eagles. If we had just done our job and kept losing last year, we might not have to play Philly and Minnesota or um, the Seahawks. So... Is that how scheduling works? Yeah, there's a thing where every conference plays another conference. So this year we play the AFC South, and then you play your division, and then you play like some games against people who are also finished in the same place you did. Hmm. Um, I don't know why we're playing the Rams as well because that doesn't really fall in that category. Yeah, they won their division, but it's also like, yeah, now you got to play the Rams as well. Asshole. Good luck. So yeah, this is this is. (laughs) Well, (laughs) man, this is this is tough. Yeah, I'm not gonna go negative before we see a snap. Right. But football just stresses me out, man. Because every game means so much more. Right, and it's not like you know Braves or Hawks where you might go on a two or three game losing streak and it's like it's not a big deal. You go to two or three game losing streak in the NFL, that that's almost a quarter of your season. That's a shitty two weeks of life. Yeah, it's, it's just like every day is miserable. Yeah, it's more miserable than it already is. Right. It can be pretty miserable. Yeah. Now you got a bad football team too. Ugh. What do you got to do? Wait till next year. Wait till the off season. Yeah, again. Hope we have a good draft. Right. Again. Mini camp. Again. The longest preseason ever. Again. We're not doing it, Graham. Not again. We got to win. We got to win. I. I yeah. I, do I mean, it for us. Yeah. Do it for us specifically. Us yeah. too. No one else. Not for yourselves. Not for the, the 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 organization or your families or or the rest of the fan base. Do it for us. I think we we, we deserve it. We do. We deserve it more than anyone. We put in the time, the effort, the pain. How many of our friends that don't truly give a shit about their teams Mm -hmm. have we had to watch win championships and have lukewarm reactions? Too many. I can think of about four. I can think of the same 4 thinking thing. (laughs) (laughs) We deserve something, damn it. I know you don't like to give exact uh, records or anything like that, but what, what is what what do you think? What is your semi prediction? Nine and seven. Ooh. But that's enough for a wild card. Okay. And we're getting better at the end of the year. I like it. I think that puts us in a nice position. I'll say ten and six. I think we 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 win that stretch against the NFC South overall. I think we split with the Saints. I think we sweep the Bucks and the Panthers. And I think by doing that, we put ourselves in a position to either win the division or be in second place to get a wild-card spot, and then the rest, you know, you let the chips fall where they may. But that's that's where my head's at. Okay. But I think we dominate the NFC South this year. I think we make that, that division our bitch. Oh, here's, here's the biggest question. Is this the year Drew Brees gets old? No. Damn it. I don't think Drew Brees is going to truly slow down until he stops playing. I've seen too much at this point. It'll never happen unless he suffers some debilitating injury. And we remember... You're not even worried about the way he played poorly at the end of last year. Well, the reason he played poorly at the end of last year, in my opinion, was after... uh, I can't remember who laid him out in that Thanksgiving game last year against the Saints, but one of our guys, one of our corners did. I can't remember if it was Trufant or KZ... Or who who it was, but Drew Brees through Casey. Threw, yeah, Drew Brees threw a pick. Someone picked it off. It's probably Casey who picked it off because Casey had so many damn interceptions last year. But as he was running to try and tackle the guy, someone blocked Drew Brees and hit his either throwing hand or shoulder and he just wasn't the same. He wasn't playing at the stats he was after that. I, I think he's had enough time to rehab that injury and he will be uh, you know, once again lining up everybody. Maybe not to the degree he was because he can rely on Alvin Kamara like he has done the last uh, you know year or two, but I think he's still going to be a very 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 good, not even very good. I think he's still going to be an excellent quarterback. So 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 no so no okay got it got it. Um, So yeah, that's where I'm at with uh, with the Falcons. Excited about the low food prices at the stadium. I couldn't give a shit. Um, I don't care. I'd rather the food prices be ten dollars for a damn hot dog than uh, me having to try to pay a PSL for season tickets, which I still refuse to do. I'll go to a couple games again this year, but you bet your ass I'm, I'm doing a, a damn secondary market. I'd love to have Falcon season tickets at an affordable price in the upper deck somewhere. It's not in the not in the cards. It's just never it will never be in the cards. Well, and Arthur Blank in an interview in the Athletic this week, he was asked, I think, by Jeff Schultz, "Is like, we ever consider single game tickets?" He's like, "Everyone does PSLs now. You know, we're going to do PSLs. We're always willing to listen to the, the fans, but you know, we're pretty much set. We're just going to keep." It doesn't make PSLs. sense. It's the worst home field advantage that we have in the city now. Yeah. State Farm Arena is a better home field home court advantage than the Falcons. SunTrust Park is becoming a very good home field. Advantage for the, like yeah. People are packing the stadium. We're actually winning there now. Got a damn what ten game winning streak at the at the at the trust. Yeah, truest. The truest. Excuse me. The truest. <laughs> yes. The truest bank park. Um. Oh yeah, when you go to a Falcons game, it's like there are times maybe when it can get loud, but there's so many people that just don't show up, and they reported they still have you know something like I don't, know, I, don't I can't remember what the number was, but they still have a decent amount of of PSLs that haven't been purchased yet. More than you would expect an NFL team to have uh, remained. So then those seats are just open? Yeah. So dumb. It is dumb. Like there's almost 6 million people in this city. Yeah. And they can't figure out a way to get 6,000, like six seventy thousand people in there? And, and one of the things that made Arthur Blank such a great owner and one of the reasons the Georgia Dome got packed on top of the Michael Vick stuff was that he lowered ticket prices. He got people in the door, and the team got good, and they stayed in the door. And now that you know PSLs have taken over, he's adjusted to the market and okay, that's fine. But the thing is, is that he's not having to share any revenue with the Georgia, whoever built the, whoever owned the Georgia Dome, like the Mercedes-Benz Stadium is his. You know, he's getting pretty much all that revenue outside of taxes he has to pay and shit like that. So it's like, why can't you still be a more of a? Not saying he's not a man of the people because I think he is, but it's like he's succumbed to this greed to the point where. It's detrimental to the fan base. We might have to do a little research on um, Arthur Blank getting to keep all that revenue. I just know that he gets... Cause there was public funds to build the stadium. He still funded the majority of it. He did not. The majority of the funds came from him. That's what they told you. I guarantee you he makes a hell of a lot more money now than he did was the Georgia Dome. Because he also makes money right. well, off, of, the United. off of all the college football stuff. The United... But guess what? He didn't try to get a MLS team when it was the Georgia Dome because he could make more money by having the MLS, the MLS team play in his stadium that he owns, pretty much. This is all part of him just making more money, but I'm just saying I don't get why he can't just let people buy single-game tickets or, make, or not succumb to the PSL stuff when he owns the freaking building, pretty much. He can, Graham. He's just not doing it. And with that, I think that's the perfect uh, closer the button, if you will, to that uh, that segment. We're not saying anything about Julio Jones in this contract. We don't talk about things like that. Adam. That's a good point. We we promise to not. We don't talk about things like that. Yeah, that's we'll let uh, his personal business. Yes, we'll let Jimmy Sexton handle that part of the uh, the deal, and uh, you know, and, and Thomas Dimitrov. Okay, I, I respect that, Graham. No, so, yeah, I think that's a perfect segue into the Braves, Adam. Which is totally different than the Falcons right now. It's so weird transitioning from a team that's about to get started, a lot of questions, a lot of hopes, a lot of fears, a lot of dreams, to a team that solidified itself as a top, I'd say, top five team in baseball at this juncture. Records would say that as well, Graham. I don't even care about the record. I just care about like how they're doing okay. in terms of like the energy, the effort, what I'm seeing on the field, the ability to rise to the occasion, rise above adversity. Have a true next man up mentality, like our uh, our good friends in New England. Braves are on a little bit of an unstoppable streak. Ever, uh, ever since that guy brought the cocaine into the stadium, they can't lose. I think they've won ten in a row since then. It's been uh, it's been a beautiful sight to see. Sweep of the White Sox, sweep of the Blue Jays. They didn't even really put up much of a fight, and now and you still think those games don't, didn't matter. I'm just saying in comparison to the other games, they don't matter as much. But, yes, they do matter because be, because of our efforts in those games, we picked up a game and a half on the Nationals, um, who have now dropped to seven games back. Philadelphia, 12 and a half. They're buried. I'm not even going to talk about the Nets. <laughs> those poor bastards. I um, can't believe we ever devoted any amount of time talking about when them. When we started but to get worried. Yeah. yeah. No, I guess there's... Braves once again had the NL East number, eighty-six and fifty-four, seven games up on the Nationals. However, the Nationals are not dead; far from it. They're still playing good baseball overall. They come into town tomorrow for a four-game set, where we will see their three best pitchers and Scherzer, Corbin, Strasburg—not necessarily in that order, actually in the reverse of that order—and um, we will counter them with some of our best pitchers: Kukul, Freed, Soroka. And if you want, sorry, Keichel, Freed, Soroka. So, big series, Adam, the biggest series of the year, the biggest two-week stretch of the year. How do you feel heading into this big series this weekend, Adam? Well, Graham, you got to feel pretty damn good um, playing at home, especially the way we've been playing. And also it's huge that these guys got an off day at home as well. Yeah. Um, For all those guys we've been talking about who needed some rest, your Acunas, your Freddies, your Donaldson, ozzy they got their day. They're going to be reared up and ready to go. And, yeah, this is just a huge test. I mean, and I'm excited with uh, Freed starting us off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Keichel Corbin, Soroka Scherzer. Um, But realistically, I'm looking to split this series. You split this series, we're in a perfect position. I mean, you haven't lost any ground. You've crossed off more days off the calendar. You've improved your magic number to, I believe, it's 16 or 17 now. So do the math there. You'll pick up two more games on that. So pretty much just don't lose the series and you're in a good spot. You can pretty much go 12 and 11 or something like that the rest of the way and you're going to win damn near close to 100 games. You'll be at like 97 games if you go, I think, the 12 and 11 route at this juncture. So. 98. 98. Hashtag math is hard. Um, also, if I told you at the beginning of the year, like do you remember what your prediction was for number wins? Probably about 86, wasn't it? It was, I think, in the 85 range. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think there was a chance in hell we were going to do this well. Yeah. Um, This has been a a joy. Uh, This has been a a thrill to watch this team. Um, I don't even know what else we can say. But really, there's not much else you you can say. It's like uh, you've seen some life from Acuna. He's still not hitting as well, but he got a hit last night. He stole a couple of bases the night before. got a walk. Uh, you know, he, I think he's still going to turn on before the year's out. Um, Freddie's continuing to play at an, an excellent level, drove in all five runs in that uh, really nice win over the White Sox, 5-3 win over the White Sox. Um, the offense is starting to score more runs again. Granted, we were playing, you know, teams with, with bad pitching staffs, but that was still nice to see. Starters are still doing a good job. Shane Green and Mellon Center just slamming the door once again, no problem. One, two, three innings. I feel like we're just sort of regurgitating what we said last week, but it's just once again... Uh, the bullpen has become a strength, and um, there's not really much else to say about the Braves, honestly. I struggle to search for what to say um, because they've just done such a great job. And hats off to the entire organization and, and, and the team. And the thing is, once Acuna gets his, his stuff figured out, we're going to be even more lethal. And think about when Marcus and Riley come back, what's that, you know, What's that going to do? Yeah, that's a big one. I'm, I'm excited. Riley should be. He should I thought be, he would have been back by now. Yeah, I thought he'd be back up too, but there's really no news on uh, when he's actually going to return. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see on that. But the the biggest question is going to come down to the construction of the of, of, uh, postseason roster, how that's all going to shape out. No idea. Yeah, that, that plays itself out this month. Um, but everybody's doing either either really essentially or if they're not doing that well, or they're doing so well it's hard to like conceive of, of leaving one of these guys off. But obviously, if you get Markakis and Rally back, those those guys will certainly be taking a spot from something from two other guys who have probably contributed a lot. Right, hit me with your questions, Graham. I, I can answer all your postseason roster questions. What is the starting outfield? Um, well, I'm going to go with Acuna in center. That's a that's a bit of a reach. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, I actually can't answer that now. I've got to see Ender or Markakis or Riley. play. I always forget about Ender. I, I saw enough know Ender will be will be back, but um, you know, we shall see. One guy I want to talk about that we haven't talked enough about this year, Adam, I think would be Ozzy Albie's and the really nice season he's having. Hasn't done much as much for the power as he did last year, but I just think uh, consistently, you know, he's doing a lot better in the sense that. um you know, he's he's hitting righties a lot better than he did last year, hitting two fifty nine, He's crushing left-handed pitching. Um, he's having a really nice and balanced year, playing unbelievable defense. He's just one of those guys that sort of just goes underappreciated right now because he didn't, you know, last year he got into that huge power stretch, and, um, and then he just really cooled off. And I know he's been cooling off a little bit recently, but he's just been very consistent over the course of the season, Already matched his WAR total from last year, and I assume he'll surpass it at three point eight. Thank God for him. I mean, he's just been the steady hand that and has proven that he can hit anywhere in the lineup. There's a stretch of the year where he hit eighth, and he excelled. He's at he said seventh, a beast down there, yeah. yeah, and, and excelled. Um, you know, which is really tough to ask a guy in his second full season in the in the big leagues, saying, "Yeah, just go go hit eighth because you're not doing much." And then he he bowed his way out of it. Dansby goes down. It's catapulted up to second, and he's just answered the call time and time again. No, I mean you said he certainly does go unappreciated, and that's just because of the all the star power we have on this team. He's certainly below Acuna, Freddie, Donaldson, for sure, in that light. Even guys like Dansby, sometimes for whatever reason, in the media, yeah, seem to overshadow him. But I mean, his defense has been unbelievable all year, um, and yeah, he's just a key piece of this team. I think he's earned the right to continue hitting second. Yeah. For sure. Even with um, Dansby being back. And I remember at the beginning of the year, he was a guy we were always talking about is he going to figure it all out? Is he going to stop chasing? Is he going to actually be able to hit from the left side? He's proven that he can. Yeah. And he's not a finished product either. No. And one thing I love is the, uh, the walk rate going up on base and percentage has improved from 305 to 348 so far this year. Slugging percentage is up, despite the fact he has less home runs. And the average is way up. And, um, you know, he, he's walked already 14 more times than he did all of last season. There's still, you know, what, 25, 28 games left in the year or something like that. So And we got a lot, got him locked in for, like, the next eight years as well. Right, at a, a, a price that completely undervalues him in terms of his ability. Um, which is a win for the organization. If if you're not thinking about Ozzy Albies enough, you should be, and, and appreciate that man for what he's, he's done this year. Josh Donaldson, Adam, continues to just be an absolute beast. What do you think about this umbrella thing, Graham? I like the umbrella thing. Um, when I first saw it, I thought I was like, this is kind of ridiculous. And then I thought about it, and I said, you know what? If it's one of those things that makes the guys come um, together more and have more fun— then, so be it. And you know the thing is, it's not like he's par- if he was parading around the field with the umbrella, <laughs> that might be a little ridiculous. But he's he's just doing it in the uh, in the dugout. So for those that might not be aware, you know, guys like uh, Hugo and Tucker might not be able to see every game. Hugo actually had a question about the umbrella. Oh, he did. Okay, so yeah. he has seen it. Yeah, he's seen okay. it. He, wow. he, he was wondering when. Uh, when the first Josh Donaldson umbrella night's going to be at SunTrust I imagine they're going to do something in the next, probably like to close up the year or yeah, something Yeah, they, like they'd that. have to be sleeping if they're not uh, thinking right. about something to do with that. Yeah. There, there was a dude in the stands the other day uh, doing the tomahawk chop with an open umbrella. I saw that. I saw that. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, once again, Donaldson has just been uh, outstanding for us and continues to just mash 34 bombs, 3-1 on base percentage. Uh, 5.35 slugging. Um, Freddie Freeman is have is working his way into the damn MVP conversation. You know, continues to just be one of the best players in baseball. He is really, I think, the most underrated player in baseball. He's having the best year of his life also. Um, I don't know if he's going to win the MVP. Once again, I'm not a big subjective awards guy, but it's just year after year. Freddie Freeman's going to give you a 300 average you know close to four hundred on base percentage if not there and over five hundred slugging and play outstanding defense. And this year he's gonna hit well over forty home runs. I can't poke any holes into this team. This team is ready to to do what must be done, I feel like. And getting those guys back in Riley and Marcakis and whatnot can only help one would think. Um I'm I'm ready I'm I'm ready to just I'm ready for this weekend. I'm ready for the next two weeks to happen in in baseball. Ready to crush these bastard Nationals and Phillies, bury them in their graves. Rest our guys up and get ready to kick ass in this postseason. No more bullshit. No more losing the first round. No more settling. This team has a factor to it that I have not seen. I don't remember the last time I saw a Braves team play like this. Yeah, we we had the same like it factor last year, but we didn't have the same talent or depth. No, and we didn't have the confidence. Yeah, I mean this year adding, I mean Donaldson adding Donaldson alone was huge. For our lineup. Yeah. Um, adding your Matt Joyce's. He's we, been unbelievable we, as we, a starter. We, we've got a crazy X factor now and and um, Billy Hamilton, who I think will make the postseason roster. He's done enough. I think he deserves it. Strictly for his pinch running abilities. He's hit a lot more than I thought he would. And keep in mind, we had, last year we had three catchers on our postseason roster. We could do that again. It's possible. With Cervelli. It's possible. And then you can use... Billy Hamilton to pinch run for one of them and still have, or let one of those guys pinch hit. Like that, we, yeah, there's so much. We used to talk about financial flexibility, but now we got roster flexibility. We have a lot of roster flexibility, which is beautiful. Yeah, that's going to make Snickers' job and Anthophilus' job hard when it comes to putting together the roster for the playoffs, but it's also a problem that so many other teams would love to have. Yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing is let's see what Marcakis and Riley can do. Um, I don't really want to go to war, even though Matt Joyce has been great. I want him coming off my bench. Yeah, I, Ortega. I mean, this guy, but he's still only hitting like two forty or something, right? But he gets robbed a lot. Like, yeah, he the hits day, the ball he, hard. He hit, he missed two home runs by a combined two inches the other day. Yeah, like, um, and he puts the ball in play when he needs to. So, rather not go to the playoffs with Ortega. I don't but, want Ortega starting, um, but. He, I don't know if this is a guy that's going to make the postseason roster considering everyone else. I mean, let's think about Marquecas and Rally come back. Do you really have room for a Rafael Ortega when you, when you want Joyce and Culberson, obviously? You don't. And, yeah, and you got to have room for Billy Hamilton, Yeah, too, but he arguably so. had the biggest at-bat of the year when he had that damn grand slam off the Dodgers. I mean, you can't, If you know, I mean, you can't undersell what he's done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm ready to I'm ready to put it to the Nationals, and you know what? This is going to be a great test for us because we're going to be facing their big their big horses. We didn't have to face Scherzer last time that we played them, and uh, we will we will this series. So hope we're up for the challenge. I think we will be, and uh, this is going to be a hell of a series starting tomorrow night. Quick shout out to uh, everyone's boy Bobby Cox. Yes, who suffered massive stroke was well, this is probably or five months ago. Something like April or May. Yeah. And uh, he was back at the ballpark this past week. Seemed to be in good spirits, moving around well. Yeah, it was good to see. According to Frenchie, he had a couple hot dogs. Very good. So uh, good to see him back at the ballpark. You know, he wants to be there. Mm-hmm. That's his home. Um, yeah, I, I was worried when that one happened that we wouldn't see him in a ball game again. Yeah. I'd imagine playoffs, he'll be out there leading the chop again. Yeah, I would love... Uh... Even if he just like, I don't know where his strength level is like, but even if he uh, just like deposited the ball into someone's glove at home plate, how I mean, people would be losing their shit more so than they normally do for Bobby. Everybody loves Bobby, but you know if he was able to just go out there and just be like, slam the glove into someone or slam the ball into someone's glove, I and mean, if he can't, and throw it glove, into a chippers glove. Yeah. I mean, I think grown people would cry, children would cheer, you go. dogs everywhere <laughs> would howl, would howl. Not in agony, but in glory. Very well put, Cram. Yeah. Very well put. I <laughs> not <laughs> uh, have said it better myself. Yeah. And then I just love... And I'll be the first to admit, like, I'll eat my crow. I'll, I'll eat crow. The organization did a hell of a job this year. With not standing pat, with filling in gaps that, you know, one could argue they created themselves. But they were able... To do what needed to be done to put a contender on the field, which I didn't think was going to happen at all during the course of the season, but I'll I'll eat my words, I'll eat crow, and and, and, and bow down to Anthopolis. He should win Executive of the I, Year. I was just going to ask you that. Not just for the you know the Keuchel move, but the bullpen moves, and then getting Hetchveria and Cervelli and uh, Billy yeah, Hamilton. Hamilton. Being able to pull off these ridiculous master those, strokes yeah. when guys go down and have all and then all three of those guys, particularly Hetchveria, perform so well for you and step up when we absolutely need them, has just been—it's—it's—it's it's, the—it's a master stroke. It's a master stroke. I'm—I'm—he is. Anthopolis is on the level of Schlink to me now. I was just—he <laughs> gets your benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I whatever he says now, I'm just like, yeah, sure, okay, you got it, thank God. I used to crucify the guy I more know. so Liberty Media, but I, I used to really crucify uh, Anthopolis, even though I felt like he was sort of his, he was being held back. But now I'm like, dude. So, so do I get a little credit here too? You get a little credit for keeping the faith and and calling bullshit when you needed to. Trust in the process, but. It's it's worked out. It's worked out. It's worked out wonderfully. So, really, I've. No, I mean, this has just become like a love fest. So, I mean, there's not. Yeah, really, like the only negative story this week is Fulte yesterday. Yeah, it was once, weird. once again getting overheated after throwing. He threw five shutout innings. Looks pretty good. And was just like dehydrated again. Yeah. Um, and it's not going to get any easier. Next week, it's supposed to get into, like, ninety eight hundred degrees range. And that's not just the humidity talking. That's just, like, the heat. Imagine with the humidity is going to feel like it's 125 degrees out there. So that's going to suck ass. Yeah. I mean, and in the way he's generally, like, been so dominant at the beginning of games and faded after five. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear that he's showing that Mr. Fulty's going to be a weapon out of the bullpen for us. Maybe. Julio has earned a starting. If we If we have four starters. I don't know. How has he not earned it, Graham? You I still don't like him in the playoffs. Well I still don't like him in the playoffs just because I don't trust his stuff enough. I, I trust him to keep us in a game over faulty. Prove it to me this weekend. This national series will tell me a lot, will tell me a lot I need to know about Julio Taylor. Okay, wait, let, let me write that down. For follow up for next week's episode. Yeah. Julio prove it. Yeah. Graham. I need to see it. I know he's done pretty well this year. So if Julio gives you 6 innings, 2 runs, 6 innings, 3 runs, 6 innings, 2 runs that aren't home runs, what does that matter? Because that's the game, baby. I know, but I just don't I don't want to I don't want to see any home runs because he's he's a guy that's given up a lot of home runs over the years. Also not walking people continue to keep that those walks down. I don't know, honestly. That's that's one question I still have, is, like, beyond Soroka, I'm still wondering who, who my guys are. I know Freed. How do you not trust Keichel yet? I trust him overall. I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I really can't put my finger on it. Well, Graham, I'll answer your question. Yeah. The praise you were just heaping on Anthopolis. Yeah. Keikel. Is an Anthopolis guy. He is an Anthopolis guy. He's done. A, he's overall done a good job. He's had like one bad start. He's had more than one bad start. But he's and he's struggled a little bit uh, from home. And he also has struggled against the Nationals this year. So that's another thing I want to see. This you know because the Nationals to me are a playoff caliber. Sure, you know, playoff they, caliber. They, they've team. been the best team in the majors since like mid May. Yeah. So he needs to prove to me that he can. Like everybody has to prove it this weekend outside of Soroka. Soroka. Is the one guy I feel like is locked in Max Freed. The offense does a great job when he's on the field. But I think he leads the, the team in terms of run support when he's out there. Well, it helps his bat, and he also can hit. He can like he can really hit. Yeah, which is like I mean, uh, what's what's his name? Uh, Nassim Bumgarner. Better watch his ass. I mean, he could have a challenger for one of the better hitting pitchers in the game. I think when the next year starts, um, I uh, I just I just still I don't I don't know. Like, i really like Freed. I'd like to see him go deeper in games, but he's got to be up there right now. Soroka, probably Keichel right now. I mean, there's no way Keichel is not. I know. He's going to be your game one starter, right? No. 100%. Absolutely not. I, I, I will write that down. Right, Keichel starts your game one. I don't want him starting game one. He's want, going to. Soroka has had the best year. He's been the best pitcher. He should start game one. Soroka's never pitched in the I don't playoffs. care. Get your feet wet. Get your feet wet now. There's I will, no time like the present. He's earned it. He's I will, been the best pitcher. I will bet pitcher. you $5, Keuchel, is gear. I game won't list. take that bet because you're probably right. You'll probably go conservative. But what should happen is that Soroka should start because he's had the best year. He's carried this rotation throughout the season. He has not been really that up or down. He's had a couple of times recently where he hasn't been as dominant. But he has been the best pitcher on this team. He deserves to be the, 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 the playoff starter. I disagree. I think Soroka's like not really that good at all. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, Soroka's really fucking good. Yeah. But, Keiko's the guy. Maybe. If you're at home, he does pitch well at home. I still am road weary with Keiko. The splits are pretty disparate. But, you know, these are good problems to have. If you're debating on who is your starting rotation going to be and, and who's going to be on your postseason roster and, you know, when are you going to get to 100 wins, you know, these are, these are great conversations to be having at this time of year. Oh yeah. It means that the, the team has done really well. You're not like the Nat, you're not like the Phillies and just being like, "Well, god, we spent 345 million dollars on this team or whatever the, that the makes freaking me So happy." I don't even know if it's that much, but 330 million whatever it oh, is. Oh, the t- Oh, that's just on Bryce Harper. Yeah, on Bryce Harper. You spent 330 million on him and you also traded for Real Muto and all these other things. You know McCutcheon and blah 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 blah, and that's, here's where you are. You're 12 and a half games back. You're probably gonna miss the playoffs. That's not how you build a winning baseball team, Graham. And they just, they just tried to fill it in. And Jake Arrieta's been awful. The only good starting pitcher they've had is Nola. Yep. That's who's uh, homegrown, right? So go figure. But I think this wraps up today's episode of Atlanta Zone, Adam. We could wax poetically about the Braves all night, but you know I think we've made our point. Pepper, we found something to argue about though. What was that? Our little rotation argument. Oh, there. yeah. It was yeah, good to have a yeah, little conflict. You can't, you can't just be totally insane. I, I just felt weird. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah, I don't, I don't like agreeing with you at all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that wraps up our episode. Uh, next week will be episode 100. We'll have... Uh, it'll be a big, big what a show. great time of year to have episode 100, too. Right. After week one of the Falcons. There'll be a lot to talk about. Nationals. Do we, do we talk about the Lady United under 100th episode? I think we have to. We might even talk about the damn Legends... The Flames, the Thrashers—we might have to talk about every single Atlanta the professional history sports of Atlanta team in the history of Atlanta. We might have to talk about every single professional sports team. Rank them. Might have a ranking segment, one to twenty. We might do uh, a sports puns we haven't done in a while. We might might just might have like a four-hour episode. I don't know if people want that or not, but you're gonna get it. Yeah, it's so. not for you. It's for us. Exactly. We're selfish. Yep. Yeah. But we appreciate you listening to the show. Until next time, rise up, chop on, stand Brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. House of Township. House of Township. Atlanta's on. <laughs>